Today, ladies and gentlemen, dear precious listeners, we are getting ready to launch into uh, questions number four. I want to start, uh, before we just get into uh, the uh, Angels' War, uh, I want to just start with something that really does connect, because I don't think that people can really catch on, can really uh, get the message, unless they can get a few things straight about what the Bible says on, on this subject. <clears throat> there is such a confusion out there about, you know, uh, the I think the importance of the universe uh, to anything that really has to do with salvation. Because, uh, uh, you know, most people think everything about Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, uh, the, those that are to be to redeemed, uh, those that are going to be lost, that it all has to do uh, totally with the earth. And, and they have the function basically limited to that. Uh, I want to cover some things about that and just cover a few things about, you know, the end of the world of, of philosophy. And uh, <clears throat> I think you'll find it very interesting. Let's just start with Genesis 1. And one of the things that in the um, in in the uh, uh, new Bible that uh, that uh, I will be presenting here one of these days, uh, the the Peace Manifest Bible, um, the interpretation of that word is uh, based on uh, the contextuality of the scripture, and that meaning the whole entire Bible, not just uh, choosing and picking and and drawing uh, one particular uh, item out of a sentence or out of a verse or a chapter, but it, it, it means that the whole Bible must, must um, uh, have a syncopation uh, and, and a resonance that works together. And, and so that is by Holy Spirit contextuality of the word. And, and so when the whole thing comes together, and, uh, and to use the words of, of uh, Jazz, uh, one of our uh, contributors, um, it's got to jive. And if it doesn't jive all together, then there is something not quite put together right. Well, we've got a lot of message out there today that does not jive. Uh, it, it sounds good when you just take a part of it, you know, but, uh, but when you really put it together in the whole word, the whole contextual aspect as revealed by the Holy Spirit, uh, it just doesn't synchronize. So here we go, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. God created the heaven and the earth. Now, uh, people are really confused about what that verse means. Uh, some people say, well, that's just talking about the earth and uh, and the sky, you know. Uh, and that's all that it was really uh, talking about. Uh, then you get down to the seventh verse, um, uh, or the sixth verse, and God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament, divided the waters which were under the hev under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. Uh, verse 8, and God called the firmament heaven. And uh, and for some reason, they decided to give that a capital H. 
heaven, and the evening and the mornings were the second day. God said that the waters be gathered uh, under the heaven and be gathered together unto one place and let the dry land appear. God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters called these seas and God saw that it was good. Now in the in the Peace Manifest Bible, uh, all this uh, business in here and God saw it was good uh, it has um, been put into the proper vernacular that it should be and God accounted it to be. And uh, and uh, and there is other scripture uh, that goes along with that, like in in the fifteenth verse, uh, where it says, uh, "And it was so at the end." And and there's other verses uh, that accord along with that, uh, that that uh, just uh, you know that just make it absolutely uh, beautiful when you really get the whole contextual, you know, when you get the whole contextual of everything, uh, because if you're not careful, you can have it. God saying it was good that He made the devil. God said it was good that the devil devil uh, became evil. Uh, we, we've got to be careful how we read the Bible. We've got to be careful how we, we put these things together because, uh, you know, this is the whole revelation of life. And and uh, on the other side of uh, life is this thing called death. Uh, and uh, in, in my book, uh, uh, I don't uh, believe in putting death on the other side of life. Okay, here we go. Uh, let's let's talk about this. And someone says, uh, so this is just mainly about the heaven and the earth that has to do, um, this is mainly about the heaven and the earth that has to do uh, with just the the heaven for the earth. Um, but let's get something straight. Let's look at verse 14. And God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to, the, to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. Now, keep that in mind because I'm going to refer to this, uh, that one of the things that the signs uh, or that the lights in the firmament are about and, uh, and they're of the heaven uh, is they are for, uh, for, for signs, like some symbolic signs. Uh, they are for seasons. And they are for days, and they are for years. So there is a translation then that is is contextually given here, in which those things that involve that involve time, like seasons and days and years, uh, that is in a sense another meaning of the word heaven. Because because uh, if we want to translate this into the word age. Because seasons and days and years collectively do add up to an age. And, and so when you say age, uh, you will discover that in the translations that I will show you later here yet today uh, of, of the word uh, uh, heaven, that there are uh, several, several, uh, uh, several uh, scholars and translators that have translated the word heaven to age because the original base word, for one thing, uh, was age. Uh, but it can go either way. Age can be said to represent heaven. Heaven can be said to represent, uh, you know, the opposite, uh, like what we're talking about uh, age. Okay? So, now, as we look at this and we read, and, and verse 15, and he let them be for lights in the firmament, uh, and we read that, and then 16, we read that to, to uh, but let's read, uh, well, let's read that, this maybe we didn't read that. And God made two great lights, here we go, verse 16, Genesis chapter 1. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule uh, the night. He made the stars also. Now, obviously, 
obviously, we are talking about the sun. We're talking about the moon. Now, let's get this straight. The sun is not in any of the the spheres of the earth like the atmosphere. Uh, it, 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 is, it is far, 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 far out into space. It's part of the solar system. So is the earth part of the solar system. But the solar system is part of the galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy. And the Milky Way galaxy is part of the universe. So now when we look at this thing about heaven, connected in the 15th, 16th, uh, and 17th verses, and 18th verse, and 19th verse, it is connected back to the first uh, and second verses that talk about the heaven and the earth, and we we begin to understand that that the, the heaven that it's talking about here is the whole collective space that the everything of everything uh, in this whole universe is in. So yes, there is us the small heaven, the lesser heaven that we could call the atmosphere, and it, it has uh, firmaments. There's divisions, uh, and then you can go outside of uh, of uh, of the earth bounds into the uh, deeper space of of the galaxy or pardon me of the solar system and and then you have the sun and which is actually a star and then you can go beyond uh the solar system to to the galaxy and from beyond the galaxy to the universe it is all connected ladies and gentlemen and the bible gives proof of that just within the the words of it and and so we have here a, a, a textuality uh, contextuality that 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 shows that when you have the second part of the of the of the word of the uh, part of the chapter connected to the first part and beginning part of the chapter, what that does is that makes the first part of the cha- of the chapter be- to begin to have a readability that would not be evident uh, uh, if it did not have the second part uh, of the chapter. So it is the contextuality of the second part added to the first part uh, that is very, very important because what happens is the second part modifies the first part. And so because it modifies it, it extends it and expands what the meaning of heaven would be if you did not have the second part of the scripture. Now take that on and on throughout the many, many verses of the Bible and the chapters of the Bible and, and the books of the Bible, and you keep getting this broadened picture. And that's why in the teachings of the Holy Manifest, it talks about the different levels. Now we know there are levels because the Bible t- talks about the deep word of God. And we know that you cannot have a, a deep word of God without having a surface. Otherwise, it can't be deep. If its surface is not deep, if it's deep, the surface is up, up above, and it has gone down below that. So there are levels, and those are called in the Holy Manifest teaching, uh, the teachings that Jesus gave about the thirtyfold, the sixtyfold, and the hundredfold. Okay, now we're beginning to see that this thing about you know the heavens is important, and we saw in in the this 14th verse, that uh, that that these uh, lights in the firmament, uh, you know, that that they're given for signs, and they include uh, the stars. 
because in the 16th verse it says so. He made a greater light, he made a lesser light, and he also made the stars. Of course, the sun itself was also a star. So now we begin to see, as we mentioned in the 14th verse, that those terms where it says, uh, you know, that, that uh, he, gave, he gave these lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from, from the night, let them be for signs, for seasons, for, for days, and for years. And, and so when you begin to understand that, we begin to understand then that uh, Einstein's theory of relativity uh, in, in just the most simple form, that, that uh, distance, you know, has to do with time. So, so the relativity of, of time uh, does involve distance, and and uh, so you could you could take an expand of time, and you could evolve that whole concept of relativity based on the relationship of 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 what something at one point in time is to another point in time. Once you have equate it uh, and put that figure together, uh, then uh, you have a, a relativity of the one point to the other point in that relationship. That time also ends up rep representing a, a distance in the sense that it, in, it, that it represents a distance. It, it is then representing a measurement in the sense that it is uh, representing a measurement. It is representing a dimension. And that's where the relative of time begins to equal a dimension. And, and all of these kind of concepts that have, that have been told, they're in the Bible. They've been in the Bible. And there's many, many more scriptures, if I was to get into it in more detail. They are all in this precious, incredible uh, Bible and this cr incredible Word of God. Okay, now we've got to move on, and we've got to look at some other things that are very important. Uh, this thing about the sign. If we look in the book of Isaiah, uh, and, and there's an interesting scripture there in the 45th chapter of Isaiah, verse 18. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens. Now we've got a scripture here that broadens the contextuality because now it has made the heavens to be plural which begins to help us better understand that even some of these firmaments, these firmaments can represent, you know, uh, a sky and can represent different atmospheres. And, and in that sense, they are different levels of heaven. And, and, and uh, uh, then you can broaden it beyond that to, so that the scope and the constituency thereof is just vastly more immense and and vastly uh, of of a greater volume and uh, and then you have here thus saith the lord that created the heavens god himself formed the earth and made it and he established it and he created it not in vain he formed it to be inhabited i am the lord and there is none else oh that is just all um, you know be beautiful beautiful stuff but let's look at verse 17 but Israel shall be saved in the Lord with an everlasting salvation. You shall not be ashamed nor confounded, world without end. Now remember this, that there are, there are a lot of words in the Bible, a great deal of words that when they show in the singular, uh, they could, oh, the only way you can know if that word is singular or plural is contextual. Without the contextuality, uh, the spelling would be the same. The, the definition, the punctuation, everything is the same. For spirit, 
you know, for world, for various uh, many other words. So, so uh, when I look at this, I see it and read it. Read it. You shall not be ashamed nor confounded. Worlds. I put an S on it, without end, because that is con- uh, 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 that is contextually connected to other scriptures. Uh, in the New Testament and in other scriptures in the Bible. And so it is not out of line in this particular case because we are really beginning to get into the idea of the different heavens. And now we be- begin to understand that if there are various heavens, uh, that within those heavens can be uh, can be worlds. And so the, the term world as plural is certainly con- and it just makes a whole lot of sense. And at the same time, uh, we are getting the beauty of this word uh, in just a very rich uh, way that it, it was always uh, always meant to be. And 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 there are things that you know that that we are taught in the Bible about looking at at the past. Uh, we, we have not um, uh, we have not really understood most of the time what the end E-N-D means and because people have gotten this thing about the end of the world, the end of life the end of on this planet and all this kind of stuff because they've gotten all these kind of ideas uh, it basically amounts to a, a misinterpretation of, of what the end of the world is. If we look at uh, Isaiah chapter 46 uh, and, and uh, verse 9 it says remember the former things of old for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. Now listen to this, verse 10. Isaiah 46, verse 10. Declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times the things that are not yet done. Declaring from ancient times the things that are not yet done. Saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. So that we begin to understand from scriptures like this that you are able from a beginning to have an idea of what the end is. You're in, in, you are able from what is the end and is involved in the ancientness of times to understand what the future will be. Uh, there is an incredible uh, offering that is given here to God's people if they will just only wake up and understand it. Now, I, I want to, I've preached on this before, uh, even on the radio broadcast, but you know, uh, the, the radio broadcasts are such lengthy and intense uh, teachings, and there's so many of them uh, that it's easy for people not to, not to remember. But I want, I want to, uh, to, uh, to give you a scripture that is so important that ties into this thing about the heavens and, 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 and you know, all these uh, various meanings that I am describing right now. In Mark 16.15, Mark 16.15, it says, Go you into all the world and preach the gospel. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now, people believe that that means limited to earth. And there are scriptures when, which, in which the Lord says, go into all the earth and preach the gospel, because it certainly is to be preached on this whole earth. And we understand that. We're not taken away from that. But beyond that, beyond the end of that having been completed, once a person has done their ministry to the earth, and you've finished that ministry upon the earth, once you begin to get these incredible 
uh, kinds of, of uh, information uh, carriers, such as computers, and that is just only the beginning. Uh, you know, you're going to be able to just about touch every human uh, on the earth within uh, an instance, uh, instance of time uh, and, and be able to minister the gospel to them in many, many different kinds of ways. And so, uh, you know, things are, are moving in very interesting circuits. But the thing that is, is interesting here is that the word, when it says, Mark sixteen fifty, go you into all the world and preach the gospel, the word for world in the Hebrew is cosmos. Now, phonetically, it's spelled K-O-S-M-O-S. That's phonetically spelt that way for, for uh, pronunciation. But in the English, it is spelled C-O-S-M-O-S, -O -S, cosmos. And it means an order of, of, of like, and, 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 and even a decoration like described in, uh, in the book of uh, Psalms 19, verse 1. You, uh, you know, David, by the Holy Spirit, is uh, talking uh, in a profound and beautiful way uh, uh, in, the, in that 19th uh, uh, verse where he says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. So you've got that decoration, you've got, you know, that order, uh, but the word is cosmos. And if you will go to, to uh, just take the time to look up, not just in a concordance, but, but go to a, uh, a dictionary, and if you look up uh, a dictionary uh, on the word cosmos in the Greek of the Bible, it will tell you that that word is about the universe, that that is a cosmological term, and it does mean the universe. And so we need to understand, and we need to get this down, that the Lord said, and this is like just before he's leaving to go out into the universe, he says, you know, go uh, you into all the world and, and 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 preach the gospel. Now, you know what what is Jesus really saying? Well, <laughs> let me just read a couple fast things here. Let me read in John thirteen uh, verse one. Uh, John thirteen verse one says, "Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should part depart out of this world." Out of this world, so that alone means there's another world. Just by saying this world shows there's another world. That he should, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father. Having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. He loved them unto the end. Okay? Now, Jesus is going to, de he's departing, he says. And he's leaving this world. He's going out into the other world, the world of the universe. Okay, let's, let's look at another scripture. Let's look at, uh, at uh, 1628 of John. 1628, let's see what that says. This is very important. You get this. I came forth, and we're in John, the Gospel of John, 1628. I came forth from the Father and am come unto the world again. Now, when Jesus came forth from the Father, he had been in the world before. And I'm not going to get into that teaching now. I have done it. But he came again into the world from the Father. Now he says, I leave the world and go to the Father. 
He's leaving the world. He's leaving this world. And he's going unto the Father. Where is he going? Chapter 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my, in my Father's house um, uh, are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. I go to prepare a place for you, um, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Whether I go, you know, and the way you know. Now, that's, he's departing. And some of the last things that he's telling us, he's told us we got to, you know, go and minister on this earth and, and, and let it, everybody know. Uh, you know, what's going on here on this earth as far as the kingdom of God is concerned. But then he he goes beyond that and he says in the in the verse that, that I, I gave you, you know, go into all the universe, the cosmos, and preach the gospel. Oh, my, my, how can we do that? Well, we can do it in time to come, because it's all the plan of God. And, and if you don't understand this, you can't possibly understand the end of the world thing. You, you, you are totally in a, uh, a conviction of that that is, that is, is not based on, on, on the Holy Spirit uh, Bible interpretation. And, and so it, it becomes a very sad thing. But here's, and I've been preaching this to you, and I'm going to continue to preach this to you, Here's what the Bible says in Isaiah. Let's look at this. We've got to read it. Isaiah 51, 16. Isaiah 51, 16. I have put my words in thy mouth. I have covered thee in the shadow of my hand. That. Why have I done this? Why have I put my words in your mouth? Why have I covered you in the shadow of my hand? I've done this so that I may plant the heavens. Plant the heavens. Not heaven, the heavens. And lay the foundations of the earth, and say unto Zion, Thou art my people. Now we understand that this Zion thing is also spelled S-I-O-N. It means the same thing. And we've been preaching it to you on the tracks on the Mount of Transfiguration, that Zion represents uh, Mount Hermon, of the, the Mount of Transfiguration. And in, in, in the Bible, uh, in um, Hebrews, the 12th chapter, it, it, it says that this Zion you know, is involved with, with the Holy Jerusalem, is involved with the Father's house, is involved, uh, you know, with, with, the, with another world. And, and we begin to find out what the, the symbols are and what the patterns of the heavens are. They are telling us something. Just like the, the, the message that it mentions, uh, you know, uh, throughout the Bible uh, in so many, many different ways. Like, for instance, if you go to the book of Job, which is just uh, roughly before, uh, uh, you know, Psalms, and you look at Job 38, uh, we know that in the, the first part of that, uh, uh, of that verse, uh, it's talking about, um, you know, that uh, verse 3, you've got to gird up your loins, uh, and, and I will demand an answer. God is demanding an answer. 
So uh, God wants us to, to have this understanding. He wants us to have these answers. Uh, and he wants to know uh, that we understand, um, you know, uh, when, he, when the foundations of the earth were laid, uh, he wants us to understand, uh, uh, you know, about the, the uh, verse 7, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. And then when he gets further into that scripture, uh, you know, if you look in verse 21, and if you would look in some of the uh, other uh, translations other than King James, it says, you know this because you were there. You know, you know this because you were there and, and you were born then. So it's very, very interesting. But now let's look at this, you know, in um, in uh, in verse 32, uh, it says, can thou bring forth uh, Maseruth? Uh, in this season, can you guide our tourists with his sons? Uh, you know, uh, in, in verse 31, it says, Can you cast the sweet influences of the Pleiades? Now, it's, it's Pleiades if you say it in, in English. It's Pleiades if you say it in the Canadian English. So I don't care which way you want to say it, Pleiades or Pleiades. It's correct just depending which uh, language that you're uh, you know, assigning to it. Uh, or loose the bands of Orion. Now, here's something very interesting. After it's talked about these uh, constellations in, in, in the uh, 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 in, in the universe, and we know that Arcturus is a star, but we know that it is involved in one of the big universes, or pardon me, one of the big constellations, and um, and that's what it's really referring to as well. We 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 know this that in this scripture here is something very important, where it says in verse thirty-three, "Knowest thou the ordinances of the heaven? Knowest thou the ordinances?" ordinances of the heaven can you set the dominion thereof in the earth now the heaven is just talking about is is Mesereth, uh the zodiac and all of what that means and the influences of the the pleiades and and uh, uh you know uh, the the revelation about the orion and and uh you know all all these different kinds of revelations about Arturus, uh, and it says that, and it says, now, can you set this dominion, can, can you set this dominion uh, uh, in the earth? Uh, can you do it? Well, this is the question to, to, to you today, ladies and gentlemen. This revelation that is given in the scripture, like in Job 38 and all these other scriptures I, I have been quoting, uh, listen to me, my friend. The whole idea is so that this truth can come down onto the earth where you live. You know, the Bible says we, we live in him, we, we walk and have our being in him. Uh, there's a place that we have to get to in God where we bring heaven down. Jesus said, pray this way to the Father in heaven. You know, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. You know, and 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 uh, he he basically said, you know, to bring let you know, thy kingdom uh, be on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, we have to bring this kingdom down to earth, and and that has to do with the with the understanding. 
we have to have the understanding we have to have the knowledge uh we have to bring that down to the earth uh so that that knowledge is is in our physical bodies our physical minds our physical brains and we begin to understand what the message of god is uh for this hour in which we live as we begin to understand that uh it is just an absolutely beautiful and incredible thing uh go you into all the universe and 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 you know and and uh you know uh, plant the heavens and um uh go you into all the all the world and preach the gospel uh, go into all the world and plant the heavens and uh set the dominion of the heavens right down here into the earthly sphere where you can understand what the bible and what the word is really saying understand when when jesus had been down here before and he went back to the father and he's coming back again and 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 uh you know uh people people say uh why didn't jesus why didn't jesus uh you know the jews were expecting him to be a warrior and a savior to save him from the romans why didn't he raise an army and fight well he was asked a question like that by some of the roman superiors and and jesus says and and this is really quite important he says uh if this world was my kingdom. He's talking about the earth. If earth was my, my kingdom, he says, then uh, my servants would fight. But he said, because this earth is not my kingdom, then he says, my servants will not fight. So we know there has to be something happen that changes things. But right during all this time that is being uh, spoken of and equated of, Jesus made it really clear. I am going to leave here. I'm going to the Father's house. I'm going out of this world into another world. Uh, and and, and we, we've got to expand. You've got to stretch the heavens. You've got to expand your mind. Get out of this uh, little dinky speck of cosmic earth uh, that we live on, thinking that this is the whole thing that everything is about. In the beginning, God created the universe and the earth. The earth was just a small speck of what the universe was. We've got to keep that in mind. It is so absolutely important, absolutely essential. Okay, now, let's, let's look at something. Turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews 9.26. Hebrews 9.26. And this is so important to get this scripture. Uh, I, I just really want you to hear this. Try to concentrate on what I'm saying here today. Because uh, it, is, it is so important. Okay. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 26. For then he must often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Now, according to this scripture, in Hebrews, in the King James Bible, it says, Now once... He has appeared at the end of the world. Now, you people that are out there preaching about the end of the world, you think it's any, any day. I want to tell you that Martin Luther, who tacked up his Reformation order on the, on the door of the church, he is, in his writings, made it absolutely absolutely clear in one expository after another that he believed in his day 
during his life that the end of the world would come, that the it, that Jesus would come and take him because the end of the world was going to happen in his day. Now there's a lot of people out there believing in this end of the world thing. They're talking about the floods that they're having in the United States. But in almost every case, even though it was 100 years ago, those floods happened before like that on the earth. Get it straight, folks. Get out of this thing where you're, you're caught up with some of these, these uh, idiosyncrasies that are just not integrating with the contextuality of the Bible. Do not be deceived by people who are into fear and, and who just absolutely haven't caught on what the Bible is really, really saying. This is so important. Uh, once in the end of the world, you know, that he's come, he, he came in the end of the world, in the end of the world. What is it talking about? Now, someone says, well, that's the end of an age. Okay, end of an age, end of the world. In what age? The end of what age? Well, let's go then. We're going to get into this. Let's, um, let's take a jaunt over to, um, to the book of uh, St. Matthew 24. And I'll try to hurry through here now so I can get on to this other part of the message. Twenty-four. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the building of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See you not these things? Now what things is he talking about? Well, he's talking about the building of the temple. Verily I said to you, There shall not be left one stone upon another, that shall not be thrown down. And he said upon Mount Olives, and the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us when these things shall be, and when shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world. Now, they use the end of the world here, and a lot of people get big into that. But if you want to go to the, to the, uh, uh, to the New in International uh, Bible, and you look at uh, 24, and, uh, and that same verse, it says, uh, they said, when will, the, will this happen, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Now, if you go to the Living Bible, it says, what events will signal your return and the end of the world? Now, if you go to the New Revised Standard, it says, tell us, uh, tell us when this will be and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age. So we see that world can mean age, as I told you when I was giving that scripture in the, the, the uh, book of Genesis. And age can mean world. It is very technicality. But one of the important technicalities is the fact that this particular use of the word world does incorporate the, the, the idea of the word age. And so... You know, Jesus was giving some time element there. He really was given some time element. And basically, his, the time element that he was given is when these, this temple has been destroyed and there is, there is nothing of it to speak of left. These stones are all knocked down and, and, and there's nothing left. He said he gave that as, a, as an idea of the end of an age. That's going to be the end of an age. 
And it's so interesting that ha- that happened in 70 A.D. So interesting. Because when you think in terms of 70 A.D., you are talking a time. 70 A.D. refers to generations of time. It's a, it's a date of time. And, and it's so interesting. Jesus said, forgive you know, when, when Peter came to him and said, how many times should I forgive somebody? Seven times? He said, oh no, seven times 70. And 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 uh, when the Bible in the, in the book of uh, uh, Psalms 90, it says, you know, that, that God has given us a generation, and he's talking about a life generation now, not a reproduction generation. And he said, you, you, you're going to, he's given man 70 to 80 years. But 70 was a figure there in the 105th chapter of, of, um, of the book of, um, of Psalms. It talks about that there is a covenant that has to do with that time. And, and, and that, that, uh, that a, 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 you know, there, there is a promise and a covenant that was given of a thousand generations. So if you take that covenant and you multiply 70 by that covenant, which is a thousand generations, of which the Bible says in the third, I believe it is, chapter of Galatians, that that covenant was not disannulled. It's still in effect. Then that 1,000 times the 70 uh, 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 years, that 1,000 times the 70 years of, of, uh, of the uh, Psalms uh, 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 scripture in the 90th chapter makes it 70,000 years. So we've got 70,000 years. That is a that is a kind of thing that has happened, you know, like 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 70 A.D. Uh, uh, and we're given this time. Now let's go on. Let's read a little bit about what it says. So now we've got uh, and when shall be the the coming and the end of the world? But we realize it can also mean end of the age, and and, and so we find in Daniel when it talks about that 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 the daily sacrifice would be taken away and that there would be an abomination that would be made uh, in the temple <clears throat> that was all fulfilled <clears throat> that was all fulfilled uh when the temple was was destroyed by the romans all of those things were were fulfilled and i've preached this sermon to you i'm not going to preach it again uh, and i don't have the time today to do that but let's just look at a few other things that it says uh, <clears throat> it says um, uh, in verse uh, 6, For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. You know, okay. Then it says uh, in, in the uh, New International, it says, uh, You'll hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. See to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen. There's another scripture in the Bible, I think it's in John, that says, you know, on earth here, you will always have tribulation. So you'll have tribulation in the world. But he says, praise to God, I have overcome the world. So it, there is a state of tribulation that exists all the time in this world. And, and there's always wars and rumors of wars. And, and there's starvation. And, and the Lord said, you'll have the poor with you always. That's Bible. And what does it say now in, in, in New International? Uh, you will hear of wars and rumors of war, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Are you alarmed? <coughs> are are you Christians out there alarmed? You're not obeying the Bible if you are. You're alarmed because you don't understand the Bible. 
you're you are alarmed because uh, there are people out there telling you an interpretation that is not what the Bible is really saying, and you you are alarmed. So so it it, it is not the will of God. So it says, do not be alarmed. Now let's read it again. It says, when this happens, uh, you know. Um, it says uh, you're going to hear all these things, these rumors and these wars, uh, rumors of, of wars and all that. Do not be alar- alarmed. Such things must happen. We live on a tribulatory earth. They have to happen. But the end is still to come. It's not the end. The end is still to come. The age is finished. The dispensation can be finished. And that there was a dispensation that finished at, at 70 A.D., and a new dispensation began. But that's not the end. And that's, that's the, 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 the new uh, international. Okay, what does the Living Bible say? You know, what, what does it say? It says, you will hear of wars, and, wars uh, beginning. Uh, this does not signal my return. Uh, these must come. But the end is not yet. Two major translations that say that. Let's look at uh, the Revised National uh, Bible. Uh, Verse 6 of 24. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed. For this must take place. But the end is not yet. When you have these people out there saying, "My God, look at this! Look at this flood! Oh my God, look at this famine! Oh my God, look at that! Look at what's happening here!" You're not being Bible about it. The Bible says these things must happen. Jesus said, "You're living in. You're going to be living in a tribulation in this world." That's Bible, ladies and gentlemen. But it's not the end. In fact, if you want to get more precise. What does it really say? What does the Bible say? Not what Jerry Lee says. What does the Bible say? say? <clears throat> Here's a good one. Verse 8, chapter 24. All of these things, all of these mentions, it says, there will be famines, verse uh, 7, and pestilent earthquakes in divers places. All of these are the beginning of sorrows. <laughs> They're not the end. How are you getting this message when you translate those things to be the end? That's totally opposite of the Bible. It's absolutely contrary to the Word of God to use those kind of things as a signal or or a sign. That is not Bible. That is not Bible. That is not Bible. That is not the Word of God. Let's look at New International uh, Translation. It says, All these... Uh, this is verse 8 of the New International, 24 uh, chapter of, of, of Matthew. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Just the beginning. Let's look at, uh, at the, the living Bible. Uh, but all of this will, will be only the beginning of the horrors to come. Let's look at the Revised Standard uh, Bible. All of this is but the beginning of birth pains. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, I've read to you what the Bible says about it. I'm telling you what the Word of God is saying about it. There's, there's the knowledge of the, of the Lord. The, the knowledge of the Lord is sweeping the earth. And, and uh, it is sweeping the earth because uh, 
you know, there there is a time for God's people uh, to to understand. It's like that scripture in Matthew sixteen twenty eight. It says, "Some standing here will not taste of death until they see my, you know, till till they see me leave." Uh, and 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 you know, people do not understand that the same Greek word that says "see you leave" can also mean "till they see me coming" or "departing." And I read you two scriptures earlier in which uh, in in John thirteen one and John sixteen twenty eight in which it talks about the departure of Jesus. So he said, "Some uh, standing here uh, uh, shall not taste of death until they see my departure." And and there were those those I'm sorry. there were those people that um, that were um, uh, you know went up to the Mount of of uh, Transfiguration. There was a transfiguration there. There was a a spiritual uh, uh, ascension there, and and it was a kind of departure. But but even if you don't apply that, let's just let's just take a, a quick thought of John the Beloved. John the Beloved, as the Bible talks about that, that 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 he leaned upon the bosom of Jesus. Uh, he was, he, you know, the, it was the Bible's very clear about the love that he had for him. And John the Beloved was one of the sons of Zebedee, uh, which which uh, uh, Jesus called him son of thunder. And he had a brother by the name of James. Now James was the first disciple to die. He was the first disciple to be mar- martyred. But John never did get martyred. All of the other 12 disciples were, were, were martyred. They died. But, but, uh, uh, but John, uh, and, I, and I'm not referring in that to, to Judas because he was replaced in Acts, but even he uh, ended up with a death, an early death. But okay, but, but, but John uh, lived beyond uh, the, the, uh, the temple being destroyed. He lived beyond that, and and he is the one that wrote the Gospel of John. He is the one that wrote that went to to the uh, uh, the island of, of Patmos and and uh, was cast into a pot of boiling uh, water. And this was during a time that uh, <coughs> a very cruel um, a type of person was head of the Roman. Uh, and um, I'm trying to remember his name. I think it's um, it's. Uh, Domitus, Domitus. Uh, he was, he was, uh, Domitus was a ruler in uh, Rome, and he was really out to uh, make the Christians suffer. Did horrible things like uh, wrap them up in animal skins and then uh, send these hungry wild dogs uh, that just ended up tearing these people apart and terrible, horrible uh, persecution. And um, they, they dipped... Uh, 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 John uh, into an island of, of uh, pardon me, into a pot of boiling water. Uh, you know, I'm going to get it straight here, into a pot of boiling oil. And they, they expected it to immediately, the shock to kill him and just to curl his body. Uh, but instead, uh, he came out of that pot, and when the people saw that he was could still walking, he was whole, the audiences, according to tradition, just went wild, and many people became conver- converted. He was then <coughs> cast upon the island of Patmos, and that is where he began to receive the incredible revelation. Later, he also wrote uh, the first, second, and third books of, of first, second, and third John. Uh, 
this was an incredible man uh, that 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 ended up uh, uh, taking over the care of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Uh, he was there on the Mount of Transfiguration. Oh, we could talk about him on and on and on. But but yes, there was someone there. And, and, and you know, Peter said to, to, to Jesus, well, what about this guy? What's going to happen to him? Jesus said about John, he says, what's it to thee? Follow thou me. Don't get your eyes on John. John's got his thing. But <clears throat> he lived beyond the, 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 the fall of uh of of Jeru- of the uh, temple of Jerusalem, so that was an incredible, awesome thing. Ah, oh, wow! Let me get a sip of water here. We're gonna have to get on to this war too. I really got caught away with all that teaching there, <clears throat> but we gotta we gotta get moving because I have a lot to cover uh, on this uh, <clears throat> subject of uh, of war two of the angels. Okay, <clears throat> we start with um, <clears throat> Roman uh, with uh, uh, pardon me uh, with Revelation chapter twelve verse sixteen. We're reading uh, first from the KJV, and the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon cast out of the mouth. MIV, the way of the earth, uh, the the way of the earth. Uh, and this describes the way of the earth as uh, in, uh, using natural forces of impedition. Help the woman. Uh, for for uh, the earth, um, uh, the, the earth uh, opened up floods of diseases, wars, death, and, and, and uh, swallowed up the enemies of the woman, which enemies were made enemies by the negative volumes of the word of Lucifer Satan. And uh, and now we go to uh, verse uh, 17. And the dragon being extremely angry at the difficulty to, el- to eliminate the woman decided to begin angel war too. This time the dragon planned to war directly against the offspring of the woman who have God's seal in their forehead because they keep the will of God and give testimonies about Christ. The dragon as well planned to come as a contra to, uh, to Christ's ministry of the word of light. Now, let's read the KJV on that. And the dragon was, was wroth, the dragon was wroth um, with the woman, and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which kept which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of of of, of Jesus Christ. Now, <clears throat> we've already had World War. Uh, I call it World War. Uh, it was a world. There's worlds, but we had the war the war in heaven uh, uh, that it spoke about in chapter twelve of the. Um, of the book of Revelations. And um, uh, we did quite the teaching on that last week. And you should really, hopefully, all have that down. And I, I hope that you people are going back and, and you know, uh, listening to these teachings more than just one time because you really want to get them down. But that was in uh, uh, Revelations 12, uh, verse 7. 
and there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and uh, prevailed not, neither was there found, uh, found uh, uh, neither was their place found anymore in heaven. Now, when it says, neither was their place found anymore, that means that the designations that they held, the status that they held, and the territories that they held uh, were taken from them. But it didn't mean that they could not ever uh, be involved in, in, in the heavens. We know that Lucifer became uh, saint and the prince of the power of the air or of space. And, and we'll see that as we get into these scriptures, how that ties in. But anyway, that was War One. Now we are into War Two, and we find that uh, in uh, uh, chapter 12, verse 17. I read it again in the KJV. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, in the Bible, War Two, Angel War Two, And I read you the scripture, the dragon was extremely, it's the MIV, extremely angry at the difficulty to eliminate the woman, decided to begin Angel War Two. This time the, the, the dragon uh, planned to, to war directly against the offspring of the woman. So, this ties in absolutely perfectly and scripturally to um, Ephesians chapter 4 uh, uh, and um, that, um, uh, that gets us into uh, the, the scripture uh, in which we are told about the, uh, the, uh, the powers and, and the principalities. Uh, we have to really... We have to get these scriptures down so that uh, we really have them and we're not just, uh, you know, jogging around, uh, going from, from one uh, uh, idea to another without really having uh, the, uh, the deep uh, understanding, the deep unction uh, that, that the Bible is, is telling us about. Because these things that belong to the deep unctions, uh, they are the things that... Uh, are showing us the truth, and uh, they lead us to the truth by by the Holy Spirit, and uh, it is uh, very very important. You know, uh, in in Ephesians three, it talks about that um, that God wants us in verse nine to to for all the men, uh, all persons is what it means to see what the fellowship of the ma- of the mystery is. Um, from which uh, the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things. There is a mystery that God wants the people to know, and I'm, I'm preaching this mystery to you today. Uh, verse 10 of, of chapter 3, To the intent that now unto the principalities and the powers in heavenly places might be known by the church uh, uh, the manifold wisdom of God. So God wants us to understand the story of the principalities. There are, are good principalities. There are evil principalities. And, and we are to totally, absolutely have the knowledge of that and the understanding of that. Without, without uh, 
that knowledge without that understanding. Uh, we cannot understand uh, uh, the uh, book of, Ephi- uh, of, um, of Ephesians uh, chapter 6, verse 12. And, and get this, because this is the war now that, we're, we are, that, 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 that happened. This is the second angelic war. And verse, uh, chapter 6 of Ephesians, verse 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. This is the world war number two of the angels right here, but it's on this earth. It was the first one was in heaven. The second one is on this earth, and guess what? It's still going on. It is still happening. So we need to have that down. We need to get that into the into the brain, and we need to understand, as I read it to you uh, in uh, Ephesians 3, that it is the intent of God to know the mystery. It is the intent of God, verse chapter uh, chapter 3, verse 10, uh, to, to have an understanding of the principalities and the powers in heavenly places. It's intended for the church, it says, to have this manifold wisdom. It's not just a singular wisdom. It's a manifold. It encompasses many, many different levels of understanding. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is just strictly, clearly, beautifully uh, the Word of God. Okay, let's move on. Uh, chapter 12, um, and we're still in 17. We're going to look at the MIV uh, elementary level. And there was great anger in Lucifer, who became uh, Satan the dragon. Uh, Lucifer was called the dragon because he led a rebellion of the Ophanims from the constellation Drago, having become the prince of the Ophanim who lost their Ophanim status and were fallen into matter, that is to say, had become breathers of air in human bodies, and now lived on the planet Earth. And it was so that the dragon's anger raged from day to day. For Un, now Un, if you don't know it by now, U-U-N, is used as a pronoun uh, when we, now you want to describe an entity of being a male or a female. And, um, that's we use the word un, and there's other reasons we use it also. And was furious against those Ophanim who as angels had accepted the testimony of Jesus Christ, Yaviel, archangel of all of the Ophanim. Therefore, the dragon plotted to use the mantis lotus, false prophets. Now, the word mantis uh, is, is, uh, means praying uh, prophet. Uh, that is, I think is very very interesting. And mantis, of course, are uh, are uh, uh, related uh, to the locusts. And and uh, uh, this this revelation of the the locust mantis is going to get really 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 uh, interesting uh, as we get into these uh, last uh, two uh, wars that we're getting into war two and war war three. Uh, I don't know how much of it we'll get done here today, but we'll get as much as we can. And and the word mantis actually is about 
the praying, uh, the praying prophets, but it's like false prophet, and uh, praying false prophet. So, so, and it's more long instead of praying, it's pray, P-R-E-Y. <laughs> so don't get to thinking about them being too religious. Uh, and it says, uh, the, uh, the dragon plotted to use the mantis to invade the earth, uh, that the followers of Jesus who kept his advice might be destroyed, and as well, all the religious uh, organizations be brought under his global command. Now we're going to get into 1217 uh, Holy Level 1, uh, the 30-fold the body. In the course of expanses of time, after the fall of the failed messengers of the Ophanim uh, order, which Lucifer, Satan, could not prevent, nor Un's own fall prevent due to Un's uh, loss of Angels War One. I think I should read that again. In the course of expansive time, after the fall of the failed messengers of the Ophanim order, uh, which fall Lucifer, Satan's, uh, Lucifer, Saint, Lucifer, Satan could not prevent, nor Un's own fall prevent due to the loss of of Angel War One. Okay. So here we go. We got to keep moving here. Now we move over to um, to to the rest of this uh, uh, same verse, which is has a, a whole lot more into it. And because of Un's own actions and influence, that begot the whole turmoil of the war, which was without question or doubt ascribed to Lucifer Satan's uh, cause throughout throughout and from uh, uh, heavens of stars to heavens of stars uh, to in the whole cosmos. Lucifer Satan's Ophanim army was now fallen into matter as humans on earth and no longer could even remember who they once were. Now, um, when we talk about Lucifer Satan's, uh, uh, you know, um, army, uh, it, it, it were, there's two different entities that was that was in that army. His most powerful part of the army was was uh, the uh, uh, the angels that were co-owned with him, uh, and and that occupied the same space in his mind, but then uh, came out of him just like the scripture I read, where Jesus came out of the Father. Well, they came out of Lucifer, who was an Ophanim, and who uh, not an Ophanim, who was a cherubim, and who was a um, uh, an archangel. And and uh, and they were like uh, you know equal in knowledge uh, in many ways to, to him because they had shared his mind and because they had reached an advance to be able to even become uh, co-owned with him, and uh, uh, so um, those were all part of of the army, um, and they were the co-owned uh, cherubs. Nevertheless, Lucifer Satan was busy uh, with Un's co-owned cherubs constructing Un's uh, prince of the power of the air plans to gain control of the humans and to remake them as Un's servants and warriors, thereby proving Un's leadership was supreme and a choice that in the course of time uh, the invisible ultimate God, the I Am, would make a different decision than the presumed to be negative decision of the Holy Commission. However, when Yaviel offered salvation by grace to save, salvage, and restore all the fallen Ophanim, Lucifer's Satan went into a, a rage. Immediately, Lucifer's Satan made plans for Angel War II. Now, uh, you have to understand, 
uh, all of this is still related to uh, verse 12, 17. But you've got 30, 60, sort of like 30, 60, you don't have the hundredfold in here, but in, in these different levels, telling different things based on those levels uh, and, and using, um, you know, uh, uh, various um, uh, revelation uh, that uh, I don't have the time to have gotten into it before, but, uh, uh, you know, uh, the Senadoki, uh, all of those kind of things uh, uh, that are being used here to expand this uh, revelation. Uh, and and uh, it is it's just an incredible, incredible, incredible thing. Uh, when you begin to see the whole revelation of, of uh, this come out, and just think, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you're, you're, this is the peace manifest uh, Bible uh, book of revelations that I'm reading from. And one day, uh, one day you are uh, going to, uh, <clears throat> one day you are going to have that uh, in your hands to hold, and uh, it's going to be uh, an awesome thing. And uh, so anyway, uh, it's, it's so interesting to think of that, that day because it's kind of come. Now we go to chapter 13, okay, and KJV. Uh, and I stood upon the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the names of blasphemy. Okay, here we go into MIV. And I, John stood upon the sand dunes of the Sea of Time, looking beyond my usual eye-limit scopes. I saw through a clearing a misty froth, an unfolding history, which was, which, which was, which is, and which was to come. Suddenly I saw a strange sight, uh, something like a dragon leviathan, uh, that, that, um, something like a, 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 a leviathan, a dragon leviathan, which looked like a, some monster dinosaur. Uh, of the long past, which should be extinct but was alive. Uh, this monster was rising before my very eyes like a thick plasma vapor from nations of the flesh of mortals, the water gels of the millions, uh, the sea, the water, the people. Uh, first, what seemed to be an aberration, uh, aberration, uh, became more and more alive and real, and its seven heads, being seven minds, began shifting and moving. Then the appearance of the ten crown horns began manifesting upon the heads of this beast more and more. In my deep mind, I knew these horns of symbol were powerful living entities. In a uh, kind of fear and terror, I buried my face in my hands, and I looked through the cracks of my fingers as if looking through a lattice. Then came a seer revelation. The seven minds were spirits intent as contra forces uh, to operate by uh, acting in a role as being um, um, the, the, the seven spirits of God. And the ten uh, crown horns were seven powerful and abominable demon spirits of Antichrist. And the uh, Satanic Trinity, uh, the Father Lucifer, uh, Lucifer Satan, the Son, um, the Son, the Son of the of Perdition, and the Spirit of Abaddon, uh, a cherub of angelic state uh, status, co to Lucifer. Now you know some of this is sort of going to be 
heavy stuff for you uh, because you need a little bit of preaching. But what it's basically doing is describing these ten horns. And, and the ten horns make up two main components. Seven of the horns represent the seven spirits of abomination. And these are described uh, and broken down in the sixth chapter uh, of Proverbs, verses 9, 16 through 19. And uh, they are the demon of pride, the demon of lies, the demon of murder, the demon of deceit, uh, the demon of lust, the demon of false witness, and the demon of discord. And uh, these are, are the seven demons that it speaks about. Uh, and they are the, 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 and the seven of them. When you reach, have all seven of them operating, it, it, is, it is called the abomination. It, makes, it creates an abomination. And then the other three horns is the satanic trinity. And, and, and that is the father, which is Lucifer, Satan, and the son, which is the son of perdition, the spirit of Abaddon, and uh, the, uh, the, a, a cherub of angelic status uh, co-owned to Lucifer, which will be revealed in a later time. Now we're getting into another level of the same verse. We're still in chapter 13, verse 1. And I, John, stood upon the sand of the sea, which is to say, I came into the twilight zone of my mind, where between the spirits of the living dead and the spirits of the living unredeemed, which uh, the the spirits of the of the living dead is represented by the sand, and the spirits of the uh, living unredeemed is represented by the sea. And I saw history and future fuse into a principality called the beast. And I saw this beast uh, through the time, time, and dividing of the times, from the spirits of the dead and the spirits of the living, of the unredeemed living, and the seven heads were assigned to the beast, which were the seven counter spirits that should be chosen by Lucifer, Satan, to offset the seven spirits of God, the Holy Commission. Corporately, there was assigned to the beast of uh, to the beast ten horns, which were the combination of seven counter spirits and the satanic trinity. Also, unto these ten horns were assigned kingdom crowns. Uh, when the good angels saw these symbols and uh, emblems, they considered them uh, as portals uh, of blasphemy to God. Okay. Chapter uh, 13, 2. KJV. And the beast which I saw was likened to a leopard. His feet were the feet of a bear. His mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And I saw three beasts morphing out of a dragon and a leopard and a bear and uh, and a lion so that there were four beasts however the f fourth uh, beast the dragon was far more monstrous and predatory than the other beast now uh, I would uh, I would have you uh, be familiar uh, with with the description that was given in the book of uh, Daniel uh, you know it it uh, is so very, very important when we get into the contextuality of the Word of God because it, it, is, it is just absolutely sweeping. It is just absolutely incredible uh, when we see how, how uh, connected that the Word of God is. I'm going to read something to you just fairly fast, uh, you know, from the book of Daniel. 
because uh, it, it, it has uh, quite the revelation there on, on this. Uh, uh, we're looking at uh, chapter 7. And I'll just I'll, I'll go fairly fast. Um, chapter 7, verse 2. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heavens strove on the great sea. Four great beasts came out of the sea, diverse one from another. The first was like a lion, had eagle's wings. I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked, and it was lifted up from the earth and made stand upon the feet uh, as a man. And a man's heart was given to it. Uh, verse 5 of chapter 7 of Daniel. And behold, another beast, a second like to a bear, and it raised itself up on one side and had three ribs in the mouth of it between the teeth of it. And they said unto it, Arise, devour, eat much flesh. After this I beheld, and lo, another like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl, and the beast had also four heads, and dominion was given to it. And this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth that devoured and, and break in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet uh, of it, and it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. Now you can begin to see the connection of that uh, to where we are reading at in uh, <clears throat> in the uh, book here of um, uh, in, in in this book uh, that we are reading of uh, that uh, is in in the MIV and the KJV uh, uh, chapter thirteen verse two in Revelations. <clears throat> so here we go, chapter thirteen verse two, and I saw three beasts uh, morphing out of a dragon a leopard, a bear, and a lion, so that there were four beasts. However, the fourth beast, the dragon, was far more monstrous and predatory than the other beast. I beheld these four beasts uh, represented nations under the evil influence of the forces dark, of which the dragon was the channel for the power and the authority, authority of the forces dark. I also understood that, uh, that, though, that, uh, that though over the great courses of time, um, that um, uh, through uh, and over the great courses of time the nations might change. Nevertheless, the nature and purpose of the replacement natures, uh, the replacement nations would, would remain the same uh, until the throne for the seven spirits of God and the ancient of days were set down. What, what that is saying is that, uh, for instance, um, there might be a a, uh, a uh, an emblem uh, for a nation, and the the emblem could maybe say like be a leopard, um, that would be revealing a certain nature. Um, then it's saying that that nation, say it would be the Roman Empire that lasted a thousand years, but then they fell away. Another nation might come come along, and then uh, uh, be a different nation, uh, maybe even use different entitlements but still would be representing that original nature of the leopard. And so that, so, so that this is a continuum. The, these, these different uh, representations of the four nations are, are still always going on until we come to the end of the time, times, and the dividing of the times. So those, those, are, those are very, very interesting. Okay. <clears throat> Yeah, let's see here. I don't want to go so fast that uh, <clears throat> you people can't follow me, but I see that I'm, I'm really hardly 
going to be getting into this message here uh, like I wanted to. Um, <clears throat> let's read this. I understood these four beasts were in the middle of uh, thir- 13.2 MIV. Um, represented nations under evil influence of the forces dark. And I skipped down a little bit more. Uh, I also understood uh, that these that over the courses of time, nations might change. Nevertheless, the nature and the purposes of the replacement nations would remain the same. Okay. Then let's uh, look at the elementary level. Uh, we're still on verse uh, 2 of chapter 13. Furthermore, the beast took on a future time uh, <coughs> and emblem uh, representing... Um, the four kinds of humanity, um, the the beast did this, a, a leopard, a bear, and a lion, and a dragon. Each of these uh, nation kingdoms uh, provided input to the beast. The leopard, for, leopard provided predatory abilities. The bear provided geographical advantages. The lion provided uh, oratory capabilities. And the dragon, the beast, provided the seat of great authority. All right, now we're just uh, moving along here. And uh, in the KJV it says, And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. And uh, the interpretation of that in the MIV, And I saw one of the heads of the seven contra spirits, who were the false spirit counterparts to the seven spirits of God, and it was greatly wounded. And I knew that this head was the uh, spirit of pride that was wounded in the first war of the angels. And I saw that due to Lucifer, Satan's new kingdom of the prince of the power of cosmic breathing spaces, uh, that Un's mind was healed. Therefore, as Lucifer, Satan began to mastermind Un's dragon plan with precision and supra of technology, the whole world uh, followed in amazement. Now, I'm going to sort of jump ahead just here a little bit, but <clears throat> what we will come to understand, uh, and that is very important, is that um, people have not understood uh, that because of Lucifer uh, being an archangel, and because of the fact that even though Lucifer has been condemned by Michael the Archangel, he has still not been judged. He has still not come to the white throne judgment. Uh, and, and until he is judged, uh, there are certain respects and, and attributes and capabilities, such as being able to turn into an angel of light, that he retains. And and so there's a certain respect that has to be given unto him, uh, just like a person that is on trial uh, cannot be considered, uh, uh, you know, guilty until they have been proven guilty, until the judgment has been set. And we know that the day is coming for that. But it has not happened yet. talks about it in several books of the Bible, including the book of, of Daniel. So one of the things that we have to understand is this war is going to get big and it's going to get nasty. And, uh, and there are uh, incredible powers... That uh, that that Lucifer still has, and this meaning of uh, of the thing about uh, 
him having these cosmic breathing spaces that I read to you here in this MIV uh, 13, uh, 3, and, and the fact that his deadly wound was healed. Now, before he had the deadly wound, remember, he was up in the cosmos, and the war that happened was happening in heavenly places. That does not mean that he has been, that his, uh, uh, his um, um, the charges against him have been rescinded. But what it means is that there, there are still liberties accorded to him. Okay, uh, just a minute here. Fairly hot in here, and I have to keep drinking a little dab of water, keep my throat from drying out. <clears throat> okay, now um, we're going to get into uh, uh, you know very interesting scripture here uh, that will be an eye opener to a lot of people. Let's look at Revelations chapter nine. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven to the earth. Now you know. No star could fall to the earth, okay? The sun is a star. And you could put quadrillions of the earth inside the sun. A star cannot fall on the earth. But star is also many times synonymous with an entity, like sons of God or like archangels. Angel sound, I saw a star fall unto, and, uh, from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. Now, a lot of people just do not understand this. They just do not understand this. But this angel that is talking about right here is none other than Lucifer Satan. Lucifer Satan was given the key to the bottomless pit. He had control of it. And you'll begin to see why he did have control of it. And you'll begin to see that in a later chapter, uh, that this power that was given him, described in the ninth chapter of Revelations, is taken away from him, described in the 20th chapter of Revelations. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand. See, he has taken the key away from uh, Lucifer, Satan, and he laid hold on the dragon, the old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. That happens prior to the third war, which we'll be getting into whenever we get into the, the third uh, angel war. But right now, the ninth is, the, is Lucifer has been given this key. And, and, and the first thing that he does is he opens up the bottomless pit, and, and, and smoke comes out of it as of a great furnace. This is like a great manufacturing thing. And and uh, and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit, and there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. Now, if you take the time to read, I'm not going to read all of this ninth chapter, but it's incredibly interesting how that um, how that these uh, 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 scorpions, uh, well, they're they're actually locusts. That, that that have a certain aspect of looking like a scorpion and and uh, how that they have bodies uh, they have hair as the hair of women and and uh, uh, there's many many interesting things about them and they have a king over them now in chapter 9 verse 11 
And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue is Apollyon. So now we see verification, contextual verification, that this angel was a king, and he was the king of the bottomless pit, and he was loosening all of these these forces dark from this bottomless pit, which is nothing less than space. Now, someone says, "Why?" Well, I don't think that's true. I think that the that the Earth uh, is talking about a hole opening and 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 this bottomless pit being in the Earth. Uh, sorry, that's not what it's talking about. And and the Earth is not bottomless. You could actually, if you had the right kind of uh, a tool, uh, and of course it would it would uh, uh, cause some big problems. But you you know they have measured the circumference of the earth and and they have measured you know and have an idea from how deep the earth goes from from one side of the earth all the way through the other side of the earth so it's not bottomless so get off of that the earth is not bottomless i repeat the earth is not the bottomless pit the earth is not the bottomless pit so what is bottomless space space has no end Space is called uh, to have infinitude, and so that is that is the bottomless pit, and and uh, so when we look at this bottomless pit, uh, that's that's where he's put he's put out into space, and and uh, uh, but you know he's he's had his and as I read the scripture earlier, he's had certain dominion taken away from him. He'd had his place taken away from him, so that was his status. Uh, that had to do with uh, his 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 physical domain, like in uh, Drago, and and some other holdings that uh, he was involved in. <clears throat> so, uh, as as you begin to catch this picture and really get into it, uh, you're seeing something that most people have not seen. He goes out into space, the prince of the power of the air, and he manufactures. And, and and makes these locus mantis creatures, and uh, they have flying ability. They 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 operate zits, not not zits. They operate zats, uh, uh, z a t s zats, or in Canada they call they call a z uh, a z z a t s, and and uh, and zams. And those are various kinds of, of spacecraft, and uh, and and they're supposed to be uh, something made by Satan that uh, is equal to or more powerful, Satan hopes, than the Ziths. <coughs> so um, he's involved in this tremendous manufacturing. He's doing this in space. He set up satellites, and he lives in this this, and he's got the key. He's the king of this space and it's a tremendous amount amount of the space of the heavens but he's not able to go into any of these certain constellations but there's lots of space in between and if you don't believe that then you don't know anything at all about astronomy and how far it is in space from one star to another so there's lots of space out there and so he is involved now is any of this kind of thing in the in 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 the old testament too yes it is 
if you look at, uh, at Isaiah 24, uh, there's a prophecy in there that tells about, about when uh, for, uh, chapter 20 is going to take place, when, when Satan will be brought down from this high place in space. And uh, it's uh, Isaiah 24, and let me just read it uh, because it's, uh, it's quite awesome. Uh, <clears throat> let me, uh, I think I'm going to use my other Bible here because uh, I've got, uh, I got it marked better and I'm going to just read it from there. So we are in Isaiah uh, 24 and it says, and get a hold of this, in verse 21, and it shall come to pass in that day, which is that day of a future time that it's talking about, that the Lord shall punish the host of the high ones that are on high and the kings of the earth upon the earth. And they shall be gathered together as prisoners are gathered in the pit and shall be shut up in the prison and after many days they shall be visited. And that's exactly what it says in the 20th chapter of, you know, uh, in a little different language, but it he is. He is. They become. In, they become. Uh, the key is taken away. The liberty is taken away, and he's still bound in space, and he's bound there for a thousand years. Which there's a lot of meaning to that, which I, I won't get into right now, and that actually takes us over into the um, other part of uh, of a world of the uh, angel wars uh, three, but but here he gets involved, and he has created. All of these, uh, these uh, uh, call them clones if you want, call them whatever you want to, uh, but, but uh, uh, some of them are robotic-like and some of them are like androids. Uh, the, some of the same things that, you know, when people uh, say they, they saw a little green man or they saw this little uh, man and this is what the, the flying saucer people look like. Well, first off... Um, uh, I'm not. I'm not going to put down anybody that you know has had a day vision or whatever they want to call it, but but uh, that revelation about these small little men, those those are not the people that that are the the head uh, operators uh, over the uh, UFOs, flying saucers, or as the manifest calls them, uh, the, um, uh, the 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 Ziths. <clears throat> and there are many other kinds of, of different forms of and kinds of this. Uh, but but you've got to get that down. You've got to get that that message in your mind because without that message in your mind, uh, you you just you just miss the whole revelation. And, and we see, as I read to you in the twenty fourth chapter, in the twenty first verse, that you know this is very similar to chapter twenty, uh, where where these people are locked in to this space, the key is taken away from him, he can't do this creation, but these very um, um, millions and millions of, of mantis uh, creatures uh, are, are, going, are going to be, you know, they're, they're going to be uh, uh, warring uh, uh, against the army of, of, uh, of the white horses of God, of Jesus. And uh, I, I would I want to get into that, but you know I I, I do not have enough uh, time here today. I still have things that I want to say and do. Uh, we'll see, we'll see where this goes to. But here you have an incredible revelation uh, that that is just it, just awesome, and and uh, 
there is so much uh, more to be said. I mean, it's, it'd be hours and hours of revelation that we need to share with you. Um, let's go to, to chapter 13, 3, uh, elementary level. And during the course of my, my revelatory vision of Behemoth, the beast, cousin of the Leviathan, I saw one of its seven counter-spirit heads called the Spirit of Pride as though it were wounded to silence. Nevertheless, in the course of time, the beast spirit of the pride head that had become defeated and, and silent revived. And it was so that the whole of humanity uh, constituency wondered after the revived spirit of the pride. Uh, spirit of pride. This is a later additional uh, elementary level verse of the uh, KJV 13.3, giving us a little different uh, uh, insight and leverage to, to other things. Uh, now we're to verse 13.4. And they worshiped the dragon, which gave power to the beast. They worshiped the beast, saying, Who is likened to the beast? Who is able to make war with him? They, they don't ever say anything like this until the revelation on earth of, of, of the mantis. After Lucifer has manufactured this incredible number, uh, you know, and, and, and has, has brought these mantis creatures with their, with their flying uh, uh, ziths, uh, pardon me, flying zats and, and, and their flying zams, uh, and they begin to see that incredible technology. As I read to you in MIV 13.3, uh, the whole world followed in amazement. It also mentions that in the KJV, and all the world wondered after the beast. It is after him having the key to the bottomless pit and opening up, and, and this furnace thing represents, you know, uh, uh, manufacturing, and the manufacturing uh, of these entities, the manufacturing of these these uh, these Zats and Zam uh, spacecraft. Uh, wow. What an, a, an incredible <clears throat> force that he put together. And he put them together to, to uh, torment the, the humans on the earth. And, uh, but, you know, they were blocked. Uh, the, these mantis were blocked uh, to a certain extent. There was a limit of what they could do. And they could not touch, you know, the, those that were sealed in the forehead. And, and that in itself is another whole uh, you know, uh, revelation. <clears throat> now, 13, um, two, 13, 4, I read to you, they worshiped the dragon which gave power to the beast. They worshiped the beast, saying, who's like to the beast? Who can, be, who can make war to him? Uh, MIV, 13, 4, many persons joined the system of the dragon beast and its cosmic guidance system, world computer. So it was the great volume of people joining gave strength to the dragon beast, then began masses of people to admire and love the power of the principles of the system which seemed to make war antique. Uh, 13.4 and, and firstly, they worshipped the dragon, for it was understood by the people that the beast was driven and controlled by the dragon who gave the beast its power. Secondly, they worshipped the beast because of Un's uniqueness and because of Un's extreme overture of power to make war to those persons who saw the combination of the dragon and the beast being so superior. They questioned there being any possible challenge to the, to the dragon uh, 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 and the beast. And then it goes into 13.5, uh, 
uh, and there was uh, KJV, and there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. Thirteen five, and the false prophet was called Golden Boy, and this name seemed appropriate to the people because the great oratorial ability, uh, because of his great oratorial ability, and and his uh, seeming to stay young. Golden Boy spoke with such talent that even when he was blaspheming, the masses heard it as prophecies of peace. He was granted a lifetime office. Few understood that he would survive until the time times and the dividing of the times were complete. Uh, 13.5 elementary level. And there was in the dragon's staff of persons a false prophet whose whose oratorial skills and knowledge were next to none of the human masses. And he was allotted three and one half years to win the minds of the people. This period of time was connected to the time, time, and one half time sequences. Three and a half years didn't represent three and a half years. They represented three and and a half represented the times, the times. You got times one, times plural gives you two more. That's three and a half times, which is, you know, throughout the Bible in different places representing what these three half times represented. <clears throat> okay. Now, um, we're beginning to see some incredible, absolutely awesome things. Um, let me read some more. This is uh, elementary level, 13.5, still 13.5. And there was in the dragon's staff of persons a false prophet whose oratory skills uh, and knowledge were uh, next to none of the masses. Now, I won't read the rest of that because I read it once already. 13.6, KJV. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. Now, Now, Lucifer is totally aware of the Father's house and the offspring of Enoch and Melchizedek and Jesus Christ and those who dwell in heaven. He's totally aware of that. And he he's blaspheming not only uh, people on this earth, but he's blaspheming those that dwell in that in, in the Father's house. Now MIV. And never before in this galaxy was there a mouth so smooth yet forceful as Golden Boy who could blaspheme yet leave the impressions of his words were improvements of the the persons of corporate body. Now, golden boy isn't just some cute term that, that comes up, but it is a term in the Old Testament uh, that, that uh, had to do <clears throat> with a huge amount of gold that was turned into Solomon that represented uh, the mark of the beast, the 666. And it would take me lots of times to explain all that, but that was that was that was all gold. That was all uh, you know, six hundred sixty-six talents of gold, so to speak. And and so that is where the idea of the golden boy comes in. Uh, and the reason boy is because of this capability of rejuvenation, always remaining young, and people seeing him never getting old, and and, and being just so stunned with that. 
So there's a whole story of that. It's not just some fancy, cute little uh, script that's thrown in there to, to uh, you know, conjure up some interest. It, it has deep uh, roots in the Word of God. It has a contextuality by the Holy Spirit. Um, <clears throat> and Golden Boy did a huge digest about the about the name of God Yaviel as a tool to demean all mortals as to their so-called incorrect understanding of who God Yaviel is. Furthermore, Golden Boy verbally assaulted the tabernacle as as now having no value or worth. Additionally, he so assaulted the Arturians who dwelt in the range of the Father's house planet system saying they were inferior minds and to beware of them. 13.6 um, <clears throat> And the dragon uh, uh, input into Un's worldwide computer system called the beast um, great blasphemy against belief in God, against all worship centers, and against all Arturians of Arturia who dwell away and in a galaxy in a in in a part called Urja Minor. Verse thirteen seven, and it was given unto him, this means uh, Lucifer, uh, Satan, to make war with the saints, and to overcome them. And power was given unto them, him over all kindreds, tongues, and nations. And Golden Boy, the false prophet, was given increased power by Lucifer, Satan, to stir up the spirit of war against the saints of God, and thereby to defeat them regardless of nation or race. 13.7 continued elementary level, And the dragon commanded the beast to make war with the saints and to defeat them, and it was so. And the beast commanded to seek out and defeat the saints of the kindreds and tongues and nations. Now, up until this point, we do not hear anything about Jesus and the army of the white horse riders. This doesn't happen until after things like this defeat takes place and, and, and this war against the saints of God. And then uh, there is a decision made and, and, and uh, Jesus decides to go to war against the powers and the principalities of the darkness of this world. And this involves the ministry of the white horse riders. And, and they are going to, uh, in a manifest way, war against uh, Lucifer and the beast uh, with spiritual warfare in a way that has uh, never been understood or known before. And it's, it's, it's an incredible war. And it's, it, it, these things, this war is is uh, still going on. And um, we're going to get into the White Horse Ministry. That does not start until, uh, until uh, Revelations 19. Uh, but uh, <clears throat> let me just finish uh, here in uh, uh, chapter 13 because after chapter 13, it skips over to verse 19. So next week, we'll start with the, with the White Horse Riders. We'll still be in world, uh, the World War uh, Angelic uh, uh, of, uh, War, I should say, uh, which is a world war on Earth here. Uh, and we will finish that and then hopefully go into the uh, Third Angelic War. Okay. <clears throat> Verse uh, 
<coughs> Excuse me. All right, uh, verse uh, 13, 8. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundations of the earth. Now, there will be, as we will see when we get into the next teaching, the new creations will begin to come forth because the times, time and a half times, which includes the Abraham bosom time and time of regeneration, will have been finished. And then new creations will begin to come forth who never preceded this earth. They never preceded this earth. They are new creations. They are the new type of creations that the Ophidim came to the, here to this planet uh, to be involved in until they themselves fell into the creation because of the uh, deceit of Lucifer. Um, but here in verse 13.8, uh, and this is the um, the MIV. And at this time was the beginning of humans who were not the mortals with soul open in spirits who preexisted the earth and whose names were written in the book of life as present day human mortals. And there's scripture for that for sure. And the new humans did not have spirit souls, just body souls. They had spirits. They had body souls, but they, uh, but they didn't have spirit souls. They had a spirit. They had body souls, but they did not have a, a spirit soul. And with uh, non-preexistent spirits. And because these humans were not preexistence, their names had never been written in the book of life. Nor could that be achieved on earth alone. Nor could these humans take advantage of the virtual acts of salvation made by the offer of Yaviel, the lamb, in in the the virtual giving of Am's life, after the uh, the angel war, but still during the time of creation, and it was so that new human creations became enticed by the words of the false prophet Golden Boy and began to worship the dragon. Thirteen uh, eight, uh, we're still in thirteen eight, and and of all the new creation who have not yet come into a comprehension of the invisible ultimate God, the I Am, and who dwell upon the earth, shall worship the dragon, whose names are not written in the book of life, and the lamb slain from the casting down of the Ophanim angels. 13.9. If any man has an ear, let him hear. And we're closing on this verse. If you have an ear, begin to hear what these teachings are saying. Begin to pray for the day that we will be able to 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 uh, have all the finances that we need to get this book out. Pray for us for that. Uh, pray that this book gets out and gets into your hands because it is an incredible, awesome book. It is just beyond this description. 13.9 If you have divine hearing, then listen to what, to, to that which was, that which is, and that which is to come. And I want to make this point. Uh, I've made it before. As I'm bringing things to a close and the organ is playing, uh, John, in the writing of the book of Revelations, was uh, given an instruction. And, um, and he was told in chapter 1, verse 4, in John to the seven churches, he said, From him which is and which was and which is to come, and from the seven spirits of God that are before his throne. 
he was supposed to to write. He was told to write. He was told uh, to get out this word, and and this word had to incorporate that which was, that which is, and that which is to come. And most messages out there today are just about what is and what is to come. And they don't have the understanding of the meaning of the end, even in their vocabulary, in a spiritual way. So they don't talk about that which was. And by doing that, they miss out on being able to really interpret the book of Revelations. Because the true book of Revelations is about that which was, and which is, and is to come. You have to incorporate all of those uh, revelations. Without having the end, you can't know the beginning. Without having the beginning, you can't know the end. It all is connected and belongs together. Now, I want to take this time for prayer. We'll do that instead of Gentile again, because I want to pray for this blog that we have put on, uh, which is about there's a place in the world for you, and about this holy uh, spot moment that is to happen. God's been giving me some revelation on that, and I want to ask you to pray. I want to ask you to pray uh, for the people's mind to be open as this energy begins to come forth and this holy spot moment begins to open up. Uh, I'm hoping this week to to put on that blog that will be part two of the holy spot moment. And, and uh, there's going to be revelation, there's going to be healing. And I just want to thank God for that and I want your prayers. And I want you to stand by me uh, in all of these things. Let me pray. Our Father in heaven, we praise you, we thank you, we glorify your name. We ask your Holy Spirit to move upon the ears of all these people and, and, and give them the ability to, in, to understand this word that is being ministered from the Holy Manifest. Give them a desire to know it. Give them an unction to want it with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. Now bless them, God, and anoint them, God. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.